Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. Welcome, everybody. Uh, You are listening to Simon Says Educate. And as you know, our team uh, went to Florida to an AI and education conference. And we met a lot of really cool people there doing some interesting things. And one of them is Elena Gell. And she's from the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. And Elena's going to just tell us a little bit about how she got into instructional design and a little bit about her work. So, hi, I'm Elena, and I got got into instructional design kind of by accident. (laughs) Um, I've always worked in higher education and different departments on our campus. So I've been at the university for quite a few years, and I decided to go teach for a little bit. And so in that change, I enjoy teaching, but I miss the higher education atmosphere. And so I came back to the university and started working for the School of Medicine. And at that time, I was a course coordinator, which was one of those positions they created that all duties is assigned, kind of figuring it out as we go, because it was a brand new position. And so a lot of my work was done with Blackboard and with the curriculum and working with faculty. So kind of an instructional design role, but not with the official title. And so then the pandemic hit. And so when the pandemic hit, we were all sent home and we were still Zooming our instruction. We were still doing what we were supposed to do. And so that's when I started looking into how much I enjoyed the technology part of my job and started looking into a master's. So I have a master's in education and educational technology. Our university offers that master's degree. So I was able to do it at my home campus, completely online program. And within that program, they have three certificates that were built into the program. And so that's like e-learning and instructional design and technology leadership. So those certificates were a bonus because it kind of went and coincided with my degree. And so my plan was to stay at the School of Medicine and keep working and kind of expanding my role and an opportunity at our Center for Online uh, Learning and Teaching Technology opened up, Colt at our university. And so then I officially became an instructional designer. And so I have this next month in December, I will have been here for two years. So I've been an instructional designer officially for two years, but kind of in education a lot longer and doing different things in that area. So that's how I got started. That's fantastic. And that's what a great background, too. Um, I always like to hear about instructional designers who start out in education or uh, are involved in teaching, because I I think that's just so critical to this work. Also, there's a great advertisement for your master's program, too. It is. It is. It was a very, and they're very, um, the program was amazing. It's uh, run by Dr. Corbet. He's our program director for that program. And so I always felt that I could 
reach out to him and he would answer. He's also one of the instructors in the program and he was always available to help out any of his students, regardless of, you know, what was going on. Cause I'm sure he's very busy, <laughs> right. like most of our faculty are. Right. And so we all from Clover Park met Elena at the uh, University of Central Florida AI and Education Conference. We have a link to it in our LibGuide online. So if you're listening to this, oh, wow. and you can you can pop in and look at some of that. We put a lot of the materials up from the conference up in our LibGuide. And I'll, uh, our Clover Park people know where to get that. We'll make sure that we include a link somewhere in the description okay. of the uh, podcast. So there you were doing a poster session after only two years of being an instructional designer. Very cool. What inspired you to come to that conference? Are, are you guys using AI tools or uh, what's happening over in your part of the world? We are trying to encourage the use of AI tools. Some of our faculty are a little resistant. So I I was one of those initial resistant to AI and a colleague of mine was like, you need to try this. And I'm like, no, I, you know, I, I, I was raised in the 90s. So kind of that mentality of AI taking over. And I was like, no, it's okay. But I used it a couple of times. and was like, you know what, this is amazing. We can do it for so many different things and kind of just, you know, we can utilize a lot of it and just manipulated a certain way so that you get what you need. So it's kind of one of those things. So when this AI conference went out, our our department is very encouraging for us to submit proposals. And so when we saw it, I was like, I want to go and learn more about it. And that was the best way for me to get be able to go was to be presenting. And so I did a poster on AI and kind of compiled all the information that I have. And I'm sure, and you know, to be very honest, I haven't updated it since we've been back because I had another poster presentation this past week. So I kind of had to split my my time, but I do need to go back and update the things that have changed. You know, I need to add a few extra things that, you know, we learned at the conference that I didn't know about it before. So I definitely want to keep updating it so that it's current at least so that I can offer it to our faculty. And so that was one of the the things that I enjoy. I love learning about technology and seeing how it changes. And so AI tools is one of the things that we are, are encouraging our faculty to use. We're mainly encouraging it for them to save some time, for them to um, have AI create some of those activities and kind of give them a lesson plan so they don't use as much as their time creating these things when AI can do it for them. And then they, of course, will go in and change things that they need so that they they can meet their learning objectives. So that's kind of the way we're hoping to be able to on our campus. I know a lot of my faculty, a lot of faculty across, you know, as soon as you mention AI, they kind of roll their eyes and just don't want to hear it. We did a training on online learning for APPQMR with Quality Matters. And so that was one of the comments that one of the faculty had about students using AI to cheat. And so one of the things that I was telling him about was like, you know what, there's the citations so that the students can cite their sources correctly. That's a helpful thing. And that's AI. We've been using AI with Grammarly too. And so I was letting him know, you know, they were talking about how some of their students have to do academic research and they don't know how to find those sources. And then I was like, you know, it's not necessarily a cheating tool. It's It can help the students to save them time so they can be directed in the right direction for what they're actually needing to search for. And so that's another. And so when he stopped and he looked at me and I said, it, you know, that helps them find articles and it would help them write your paper. And he's like, oh, you know, OK, I could see the change. And I was like, well, that'd be nice to like at least make them see that there is humans are always going to be needed. And it's it's something that I think faculty are struggling with because I think they feel that it'll replace them and it it's not going to replace them. 
So like our, I know ChatGPT is very popular on, on our campus and I know Google Bard is kind of getting in there too. I'm still learning about Google Bard. I still prefer ChatGPT, but you do, ne- do need to go and make changes to it. So far, we've done one presentation, but at the end of the month for our faculty, we're actually presenting based on the poster that I submitted oh, to great. the conference in, in Florida. Yeah. So we're actually you know, giving them the sources and giving them the access to the, the website and kind of giving them everything that we have. So we had a good turnout. The first one, I want to say we were at like 30 faculty who came and they were very interested in all the different sources that we had along with prompt engineering that they included in in the presentation so right. it, it was helpful to our faculty so we're hoping to bring them along slowly but we'll get there <laughs> yeah yeah that's really interesting I've been impressed on our campus I, you know I'd assume that programming and we have a me- mechatronics program so they're mm-hmm. you know programming machines I would expect that that would be the first place that would grow up but it's it looks like it's going to go through most of our disciplines, we have a, we have an English teacher, Deanna Ferti. She was at the Florida conference as a participant oh, okay. as well. Yeah. So, what disciplines seem to be most attracted to it, or is it uniform, or what, how's that working out on your campus? I'm thinking more it's on the liberal arts. To be very honest, more oh, like wow. the English and the history are a little bit better. Um, science, I think, are a little more hesitant. I guess maybe because they're more methodical in their thinking, so maybe that's why they're not. Um, and that's kind of where it's like the research that can be found with the sources that I had provided for that area is like it's helping the students minimize the searching time for them mm-hmm. so they can focus on what they really need to write about or research about versus, you know, a chat GPT everybody mentions it, but that's not the only thing there is out there. So, but I yeah. think the English is more, more interested along with history is what I've noticed. Right. Um, well, but so far, we, you know, we kind of do have a few that have attended from different places on our campus for the presentation. So we'll see. I have another one scheduled at the end of the month um, where we'll be presenting on, on that. And we'll see how what disciplines show up, I guess, for that round. Right. Right. And then so you have some faculty who are hesitant and what I've noticed is that there's different kind. There's different reasons I think why a lot of faculty are hesitant. Some of some of the hesitation is based on fear, right? Because yes. they don't they don't understand the tool, or like you say, it's going to replace their jobs. But there's also some people who are concerned about the bias and racism in tools like that are kind of baked into tools like Chat GPT. What's your take on that? How do you how do you how do you reconcile some of the ethical issues around AI? To be honest, with with the ethical issues, I'm thinking I'm just waiting for them to see what rules come out for them. Because, you know, it's that technology is constantly changing and emerging different new variations of it. But, I mean, our hesitation, at least on our campus, has been we don't want the students to cheat. That's been, I think, mm. the most that I've heard, you know, and it's like, okay, then we need to figure out a way to build your curriculum where – they can't chat, use ChatGPT to cheat. A lot of it right. is, you know, if you make it more of a personal discussion where they have to include personal information, you can't use ChatGPT for something like that. Right. I mean, I guess you could, but not really. Like, I mean, when the calculator first came out, for example, nobody wanted it. The teachers didn't want it in class. That was cheating. Yeah. And now it's it's accepted. So yeah. it's just, I think it's going to be a small growing pain as we go in and see. I, I keep listening out for any of the policies that are coming out when it comes to AI, like from the government to see what thoughts they are. Yeah. But so far, there really hasn't been any. 
Now, when it comes to like the racism and the bias, I mean, that also means that you can't exactly use AI completely. That's the human touch. You change it how you think you need for your students. So it's it's kind of like it's always going to include humans to help with AI. Right, right. Yeah, I'm totally with you on the the whole hesitation bit. And the hesitation was for myself was it just didn't seem like companies like OpenAI and tools like ChatGPT were very transparent. It's not like you can go to GitHub and download the algorithm and see how they're doing this. And they were also really cagey about what data they use to train it. One of the interesting things that we have coming up on this campus is uh, Ronald Lethko. I left him yesterday in the Teaching and Learning Center, and he was working on building a chat bot. Uh, But the tools he's using were allowed him to select what data he was going to use. Like really? so he could use yeah, he could use all the, you know, all the data from our website selected, of course, and then policies from the English department, syllabi from the English department. And then that chat bot is trained on a very specific set of of data rather than just the entire, you know, uh, 10 terabytes of Reddit, <laughs> so, which, which is kind of kind of interesting. But so if you're listening from Clover Park Technical College, watch for more information from the TLC about uh, projects like that. And let us know if anything you hear today interests you and we'd like to get involved. But Elena, a lot of this, you know, like, for, you know, my hesitation and um, I was in the 90s as well. I didn't grow up then, but I was there. (laughs) I watched the technology grow up. And I I think I understand that a lot of what this is, is change management. We go through these paradigm shifts and we don't know how long it'll last. I mean, AI could be here for five more months or 50 years. You know, I mean, there's just no way to tell. This could be the beta. We could be all looking at Betamax video. So what I find is that and I got this from a University of Texas professor, George Siemens, who's over at Austin, I think. But he okay. talks about how it's not important to learn the technology. The important thing is to learn how to handle the change management around technology. In your work, how do you manage change management? And and then while you're at it, where do you think the future of AI is in education? This year, my supervisor we're broken up into different teams. So my supervisor decided to do a book study on change management, to be very honest. Oh, oh, cool. Due to the fact that we were getting ready to reevaluate our LMS. And so deciding that regardless of what we were going to do, because we currently use Blackboard, Blackboard Learn, which is like the original, kind of looks like the 90s in a sense. Um, So the next option would be going to Ultra or going to Canvas or some of the others that are around. And so we were starting to look at what we could do to help our faculty move into whatever we were moving into. And so we did a book study on change management because of that. And so with that, there were so many areas that you didn't consider, you know, you have to have the faculty buy-in, you have to, you know, try to encourage them. And so those are the things that we were planning on using with our LMS change. Currently it's, it's, it's kind of, we're still pending. We haven't decided and they haven't decided what they're moving forward to, but regardless, our faculty is going to have to learn something new. And so I guess being flexible, I think, is the most important thing when it comes to change management, being flexible, trying to find the problem and then the solution that you're working on, trying to, I guess, preempt the problems and find those solutions for the for our faculty. But then, you know, we all I've heard from different different ideas about 
they meet their faculty where they're at. So not all your faculty is the same. So some may be very, I want to learn this, teach it to me and I'm good. Or some are, I don't even want to do this. And so it's kind of meeting them where, where they are. I have a lot, I have a mix of faculty. I have some that really want to, you know, go for it and try the new stuff. And then I have faculty that are like, why are we having to change? And so I have to be kind of the middle person and kind of being the encouragement. And then also making sure that we're like, okay, you know, this is how you do it and showing them step by step. So being prepared to help those and then also encouraging to bring the others along. So Right, right. Great, great. Okay, well, we really look forward to uh, seeing what comes out of your work in the future. And we've met a lot of really interesting people at, at that conference. And I believe you're our first interviewee from oh, that wow. conference. Yeah, so uh, it's a really great start. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Um, like I said, AI is, I think it's one of those endless possibilities. It's kind of just finding out how we can how we can help our students. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. All right. Thank you so much for your time. You're listening to Elena Gell on Simon Says Educate. And check in with the TLC at Clover Park uh, if you're interested in getting involved in uh, AI or any of this work. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delve into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.